business with me. All right, this is the last shot that we got. All right? We're going to run the picket fence at them. Don't get caught watching the paint dry. All right. Welcome back to the Picket Fence Podcast. Uh, this one's going to be a little less uh, structured, I think, than the normal, not our normal four quarters or, you know, shoot around. We're going to get right into it just because, you know, we thought preseason we're going to slow down, Derek, and uh, really the preseason is off to a hot start. It almost feels like we're in midseason form, so we're going to get in midseason form here and not mess around with a shoot around. Uh, I'm Cam Smith. And I'm Derek Early. Uh, we are so glad to have you here with us on the Picket Fence Podcast. Uh, if you're not a follower on social media, check us out on Twitter at Picket Fence underscore pod. We are also on Instagram and Facebook. Check out our posts, our past interviews with great coaches across the state of Indiana and, and other Indiana basketball topics, college, NBA, beyond that. Uh, we're excited to get started with this one because we're going to have our NBA preseason predictions on the Picket Fence Podcast. Uh, Derek, what have you thought so far about the NBA preseason. Hey, you and I have talked a fair amount, and as much as anything, it's not sitting here t- and taking away, you know, which teams we think are going to be the ones competing for a title because we've spent some time talking about those conversations and what teams we think are going to be there, you know, in April, May, and June. But for me, it's been watching some of these teams that I think are just going to be incredibly fun. That's what I was telling you, and, and you made the same comment. And each team has a guy that is just incredibly fun to watch. Uh, every team has somebody that you want to tune in to see. Uh, and I think it's it's certainly set up, just from the watching the preseason, it, it's set up to be a very, very fun NBA season. And that's what I'm most looking forward to. That's kind of what I've taken away from it. There are players that I'm looking forward to watching and seeing how they grow. This rookie class is going to be a lot of fun. There's an immense amount of young talent in the NBA, and I think that there's going to be a lot of surprises between now and and playoff time, and there, we're probably even going to see some surprises in the playoffs. Um, I think we might be in for a surprise as far as who has the best record in the NBA, and we may even be surprised at you know who's the number one or number two seed coming out of each conference also. So um, if anything, I've taken away that uh, – it may not be a wide open field, but I think it's going to be as a as competitive of an NBA season as we've seen in a long time. Yeah, I agree with you. I love that you brought up the point of there being so much talent on all these different teams. You know, in baseball, they have one representative for the All Star Game. Every team has to have one. I almost feel like right now in the NBA, we need that for the NBA All Star Game, just because there are so many guys on every team. There's always yeah. like, oh, this guy got snubbed, and this. And it's like, no, no one got snubbed. There's just an all-star caliber player on every team. Right. And that started to be the case the past couple years. It seems like it's been a really deep league, especially with talent. I wish they had that almost because there's so many exciting players to watch. We don't have much on it, I think, coming up but because we don't really know what to expect. But they had that Commissioner Cup tournament this year. I think Mm -hmm. that's what they're calling it, right? Yeah. that I'm really excited for. I don't know what to expect because it's something that's brand new, but I think that's going to be something that showcases the talent mm-hmm. because we're going to get to see guys that maybe won't be in the playoffs that will be um, more nationally recognized when those are uh, games that are promoted, kind of like a playoff game. So I'm excited to see those guys in something like that, but 
I agree with you. I think the best part is you can turn on any game, even a team that's not going to be very good because there's got to be some teams that have poor records. You're going to turn on a game and be like, wow, this team's bad, but man, they've got two or three guys that are impressive or they have a guy that's like, man, he's a superstar and he just happens to be on a team that's not winning right now. Uh, that's, that's the best part of this. I think um, with the exception of, you know, the Charlotte Hornets having multiple players arrested or kicked off the team, it seems like. Uh, <laughs> other than that, it seems like it's really fun to be a fan of every team in the league right now. So. Now, I'm, it's going to shape up to be an incredibly fun season. You know, I've spent a couple of, exchanged a couple of messages talking about that and how we're looking forward to things. And I think the Commissioner's Cup is going to be something that, uh, I'm like you, I don't know what to expect, but I think it's at least going to be entertaining. And... I think it's going to bring some guys on TV that maybe we're not quite used to seeing very much. And if you don't have NBA league pass, I think this is probably the year to get it. Cause like you said, every single team has a guy that is worth tuning in and watching. Um, you know, we could go down the list of teams and we could name off the guys, but you know, every single roster has at least one or two guys that you think, yeah, I would go pay to see this guy play ball. And like I want, I, you know, I would pay to go see this guy in person. So, I think the league is in a great spot. The NBA has to feel pretty good about where they're at. Um, you know, getting away from that kind of mindset of ten years ago of each team, if you wanted to win a title, you had to feel like you had three all stars, and feeling like the talent is kind of getting back into that '90s and early 2000s vibe, where each team kind of has one or two guys that are kind of their studs. Uh, but it feels it, it, I'm excited. I'm looking forward to it, and I can't wait to see how the season plays out. Yeah, I agree with you. And I think as you brought that up with the league spreading out talent-wise, I'm glad that we're not in the super team field. I mean, there are guys that are still wanting to team up, but it doesn't seem like it's working out the same way. We're definitely seeing team chemistry become uh, a big X factor. We're seeing some guys team up, and it just seems like it's not – in the past few years, it seems like those haven't panned out the way they're supposed to. I mean, Durant went to Golden State. That was, it seemed like the last blockbuster team up that, that worked. It seems like everything now is, is falling apart or it's not quite, not quite meshing. And maybe that will come back at some point. I know that, you know, the league kind of goes through these trends. But I watched this video a couple weeks ago. And if I can look it up here later, I'll, I'll say the name of the YouTuber. It's a pretty interesting video. And it was why the 1970s did not have um, a repeat champion. And it seems like often we have these back-to-back or these three-peat teams um, or these teams that go for multiple years in a row. And the 70s was the only decade that didn't have a team okay. repeated. And I'm curious if that's what the 2020s will look like because we've had um, – Teams win championships and go on some runs. Milwaukee had their run. Uh, L.A. won in 2020, right, that bubble. Yep. 2021, we had the Bucks. 22, Golden State. 23, we had Denver. Um, it would be fun to watch Denver repeat or if another team, you know, Milwaukee, if they get a couple in a row or something. But it seems like because there's so much talent and because there's two or three superstars on a team that are being drafted – or it's not like a team up. They just there's just it's just that deep. I wonder if we'll have a decade where there's just this new team that comes out each and every time. Um, I'd be I'd be excited to see that, and I, I almost hope it is just because I like the balance. I like that there's talent everywhere, and it's not let's all jump on one ship and ride to a, a title. Yeah, that's a good point. Talking about you know the idea that maybe we're in a a particular 
time frame here in the NBA where maybe we don't have repeat champions consistently like we've seen, you know, going back to the 90s with the Bulls and the early 2000s with the Lakers. Talk about the Spurs and and their run that they had, and then getting into Golden State, uh, going back and forth with with Cleveland there for a while when when LeBron went back there. And I think a factor in that also has to do with how the league is shaping up with some of our perennial all-stars and most well-known players being on the tail end of their careers. And a lot of these teams that are up and coming are sitting on a bunch of youth and a lot of talent. And I think that that transition is one thing that's going to make the NBA a lot of fun here for the years to come. But like you said, I think that that will also play a factor in us not seeing potentially a repeat champion year in, year out, because there are so many teams with young talent that are only going to improve and get better and better and better. And as some of these older guys that we've seen in the league for 15 to 20 years, as they start to hit the end of their career and those guys start to retire, there's going to be a list of guys who are ready to fill those spots. And, you know, we're going to have teams. But I think we're going to start to see teams with that young talent start to fill in the gaps there. And it's going to be teams that you and I will talk about here shortly. Uh, And it's going to be teams that maybe we're not expecting to see do that. And that's going to be fun. Again, seeing the distribution of not just the major market teams, but some of these teams that have built themselves up through the draft and through free agency that are now going to be able to put themselves in a spot because the Warriors aren't going to be the Warriors that we're accustomed to seeing. You know, the Lakers have guys at the tail end of their career, and we're going to have some of these teams with with talent that are now going to be ready to fill that void, and it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, I completely agree with you. I, there's a lot of teams I'm excited to talk about, a lot of players that I think we're going to see uh, kind of make their um, make their kind of uh, announcement that, that they're superstars in the league this year. We're going to talk about that in just a minute. When we come back, we're going to get into our season awards uh, and predictions for those. All right, Cam, as we kind of get into our conversation here, again, going a little bit of the unconventional route, we're just going to dive into having a conversation today. And as we talk about the upcoming NBA season, obviously there's a plethora of awards that are given out every year. And I think it's time for us to probably start discussing who we think are going to be the favorites for for these awards, who our potential winners are going to be. Um, And through our list here, guys, we're going to give off who Cam and I think are going to win, who's going to win the MVP, We're going to talk about a potential scoring title champion, defensive player of the year, rookie of the year, sixth man award, and then the most improved player award. So we're going to go through that list of of NBA season awards, who we think the the player is that's most likely to win that award, and then we'll get into talking about some other other things before we wrap up here today. But uh, Cam, I'll kind of let you lead us off here as we get into the MVP discussion. Obviously, that's the most prized award in the NBA season, uh, what are your thoughts and kind of who are you looking at as a potential MVP candidate slash MVP award winner? Yeah, absolutely. Um, these awards, really interesting, it feels like every single one of these awards is becoming a tighter race every year. We were just talking about the depth and the talent uh, in the league to start this podcast, and I think that's that which makes it really fun. It causes a lot of heated arguments on television and on Twitter and stuff like that, but um, it was really hard to pick the MVP. Uh, you and I talked about it for a while before we even came on here. Like, 
it, we were changing our minds. We had that. I filled out everything on this list and left MVP for a long time because I couldn't quite figure it out. I thought, well, it could be this guy and this guy. Um, and I didn't like my pick at first. I'll be completely honest with you. I looked at it and didn't enjoy it. Um, but now I kind of have an argument for it. And I think we've had kind of this three-man race the past, like, three years with Jokic, Embiid, and Giannis. And it's always been those three. It's always been those three. And they've been argued in and out of those spots. Um, and I think maybe there's going to be a little fatigue with those three. They're going to be fantastic. They're, they're going to be at the top of the league in all those categories again. But uh, I'm going to throw uh, a name into the hat that's been maybe in the top five of that discussion. Uh, I think maybe this year's MVP for 2023 and 2024 is going to be Jason Tatum. Okay. And that's – when I first looked at it, I didn't like it, but then I thought really hard about it. What have been the things that have been argued about? They talk about record. They talk about, you know, are they scoring? What are they contributing to the team? I think Jason Tatum at this point, this Celtics team has something to prove. Yep. They've been on the cusp every year. I mean, Tatum's – and his teammates have been great, and his, the coaching's been great, but – he has led that team to the Eastern Conference Finals several times. They've been to the finals. I think Tatum is somebody that averages near 30 points a game, um, like he has been. And I think they're going to end up with the best record in the East. And so I think that combination is going to get Jason Tatum the, the, the push ahead of everybody else. We're used to hearing Jokic, and I wouldn't be shocked if it was Jokic again. You know, I mean, he's up there every year. wouldn't be shocked if it was Giannis or Embiid again. But with them being, I think, as good as they're going to be, and the numbers he's going to put up, and I feel like he's taking on that leadership role. He's a veteran now. He's not the young guy that keeps surprising people. He's supposed to be there. Um, I, I think he's the best wing in the league. Uh, I, I think Jason Tatum is going to be the MVP. That's my that's my favorite. How about you? Yeah, I don't hate that pick at all. I think, like you said, you know they're going to be up there pushing for the best record in the league, and he's probably arguably the best player on that team. And like you said, he could average easily going for 30 a night with that offense and, and the things that they can do. So I don't think that he's out of the conversation at all. Easily in the top five, if not a top three candidate coming into the season um, and playing on one of the best teams in the league. I'm kind of going chalk with mine and okay. keeping it back with a guy that's been in the conversation for the last four or five years. And I'm going to go my MVP is Giannis. Um, I'll talk about my sleeper MVP pick later. Um, but I think Giannis gets the MVP this year. I think bringing in a guy like Damian Lillard, and changing the way that their offense can look where Giannis doesn't have to be the guy that pushes the ball at the floor, that has to handle, initiate the offense, but then also kind of play that Luka role where the ball sticks and he becomes you know, the focal point of the offense. And he becomes the guy that has to go figure out how he's going to go get himself a shot. And having a guy like Damian Lillard who can facilitate the offense, who is a legitimate offensive threat, and Lillard may be a guy that averages 25-26 a game, this year, he and Giannis both may be averaging close to 30. Um, having Chris Middleton back and having him healthy coming into the season, uh, I think that they're solid at every position. Uh, you know, you may look at point well point guards, Damian Lillard. You may look at their two-guard situation and kind of wonder uh, how does that fit. But having the Lopez brother, you know, kind of anchoring down the middle in the five who can stretch the floor, I think Giannis is going to be able to play with a little bit more space than what he's been accustomed to playing. I don't know that teams are going to be able to pack the paint against him. Obviously, his defender will still sag off, but I don't think you're going to see teams be able to simply play help side and park a guy in the lane to simply take him away and make someone else beat you because now that someone else is Damian Lillard. And I think that's going to put Giannis in a position to kind of maybe grow a little bit and flourish throughout the course of the year. 
and I'm sure that there will be some, you know, growing uh, pains and things like that with this team as they get acclimated to each other and they, they make adjustments. But I would say come, you know, all-star break, they're probably going to be in pretty good shape. And coming down the home stretch in March and April, you know, I would look for them to be, to really be making a lot of noise. And I think Giannis is going to easily put himself in a, in a leading position for the MVP. Yeah, I, I really like that. And, I, and you brought up the spacing. And I think that's really important for him because he's never really had a pick-and-roll partner that was a huge threat. I mean, Drew Holiday is fantastic. And Chris Middleton at times have kind of had that pick-and-roll off the wing. But when you have a threat like Lillard where you have to switch up and you have to stop him from coming off that screen and taking the three-point shot, and you're probably going to have to switch in that situation. You're going to have to maybe change some matchups where you have bigger guys guarding Lillard so that you know, they can switch on to Giannis. You're going to create some mismatches out there for Giannis, whether it's just on the pick and roll yep. or he's not the guy, like you said, at the top of the key initiating. Now he's coming off, uh, he's rolling off those screens or he's playing off the ball a little bit where he has the freedom to get where he wants to be instead of trying to initiate. That offense looks like it could be super scary and it looks like a guy that could be really efficient. I, I like that pick. Um, I think he's going to be, I don't know, it's hard to think that he would be better. But right. it's exciting to think that he could be because maybe it's going to put him in a position where he's more inside of what he does best. Well, and you can put him in pick-and-roll situations and things like that with Dame and make the defense have to make a decision. Yep. And I think with both of them in the offense like that, and then you throw in a guy like Chris Middleton who can sit in the corner, he can sit on the wing, uh, you know, he's an all-star in his own right, and then you talk about Lopez being able to stretch the four from the corner as the five. You really don't have a guy on their offense that you can just leave – to then go help off with those two. So you really do put the defense in a weird predicament as far as how do you defend things with what their offense is going to look like or could potentially look like. And I just see Giannis as being a guy that has a really, really nice year for for Milwaukee. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. Um, I'm interested to see how that plays out. It's interesting we both took Eastern Conference players. Um, it seems like it's kind of bounced back and forth between East and West the past couple of years, but – I'm curious to see how that how that works out. Now let's let's kind of shift it. This one's a little I, I don't know. I think it's a little more fun. I'm gonna let you lead this one off. Who is your dark horse? And what we mean by dark horse MVP is someone that maybe they won't win, maybe they won't even get considered as much, but somebody that's gonna put up the numbers, that's gonna lead their team, uh, or just somebody that you think, hey, maybe they've got a shot if they if the you know the stars align. Who you got? Well, this is a guy I think that was. He was at least being mentioned in the conversation for MVP last year. Their team kind of came out of nowhere. His year kind of came out of nowhere as far as him really announcing his presence in the league and making himself known and establishing, carving out his own space within his team. And the team I'm referring to is the Oklahoma City Thunder. And the player that I am referencing is Shea Gilgis-Alexander. And you and I talked before we started here about him being a potential candidate to not only win MVP, but possibly, you know, win a couple of other awards this season, depending on how, how well OKC does. And with the roster that they have, the talent that they've got, the length and the size that they have at every single position, um, not only would he be a dark horse MVP candidate, I think Oklahoma City Thunder are a dark horse team, period, to make a lot of noise in, in the NBA and, you know, potentially ruin somebody's season in the playoffs. Yeah. But, um, you know, he averaged, what was it, 30-plus a, a game? Yeah. yeah, averaged more than 30 a game last year. 
um, was at least having his name brought up in some of these conversations. And to me, if, if Oklahoma City, given how stout the Western Conference is and continues to be, if they're somewhere approaching a three or a four seed in the Western Conference next year with the amount of youth that they have, I think you've got to throw his name in the conversation. Yeah, I agree, absolutely. Um, I, I really liked watching that team in the preseason with all those guys out there and healthy. I mean, um, I know SGA is not getting the minutes preseason. He looked awesome with the Canadian team. That Canadian team was just awesome. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you nailed it with them, too. You were talking about that before FIBA, how good the Canadian team would look, and they dominated, man. Uh, SGA is super fun. Uh, I would like to see him in that conversation because I like a team that's built through the draft like that. Uh, so I'm excited to see what they can do. I had trouble picking but just one. So I have okay. two, and they're kind of my side-by-side dark horse candidates. One for statistical reasons, another one for team success. Okay. okay. So my team success guy, a team that I think in the Eastern Conference is being overlooked, and they were really, really good, I have as a dark horse, someone that's name will be maybe in the conversation, is Donovan Mitchell. Um, I can see that. They had the best defense in the league last year. And he's not known as, you know, the defensive guy. I'm not saying he's poor or anything like that, but with the defense that surrounds him, and he has some Damian Lillard tendencies, you know? Yeah, 100%. He's a small guy. He's got the clutch gene. He's got range. He's very, very athletic. I can just see him being a guy if Cleveland's up there in that top three, and I think they could be, kind of like they were last year. Donovan Mitchell's name is going to get thrown around. I mean, he's a guy that, that's going to be 25-plus on that team. He's going to be initiating a lot of their offense, and he has a great backcourt partner with Darius Garland, who I have him um, talking about him later on. Yeah, their backcourt's special. Yeah, it's awesome. It's really fun. It's it's a really fun backcourt. They're a team that is being overlooked, and I, I mean, I get it with what Milwaukee and Boston look like, but Cleveland's fun. They're a good defensive team. They've got a dynamic backcourt. So I like just for team success, if they're a team that – you know, by the end of this season is up there in the Eastern Conference, or maybe they have a better record than those two other teams we've talked about in the East. Right. Uh, it can be thrown around. The statistical person that I'm going to throw out there is um, Trey Young. Now, uh, Trey Young kind of gets a lot of heat. He's kind of polarizing. I really like him. I think he's a really fun player. Um, they had a weird year last year. They were 41-41. and 41. Uh, they really couldn't get on a winning or a losing streak. They're just very mediocre. They have a brand new coach. They have some different players. Um, they are. They started getting frisky there towards the end with their new coach there in Quinn Snyder. I think Trey Young could have one of those seasons, and maybe not. Maybe this year, maybe in years to come, where he's averaging close to thirty, and he's averaging, uh, you know, in the high assist numbers, and, and and his name gets thrown around it if uh, you know Atlanta's in the mix. You know, maybe maybe middle. I think they're better than a play-in team maybe this year. But, I mean, two years ago, he led the league most points scored and, and most assists. Uh, I just I just think it's pretty impressive. There's only been two yeah. guys that have ever done that. Uh, so, I think I think Trey Young, just because of the numbers he could put up, would be somebody that maybe gets a conversation if Atlanta ha- is having a pretty strong season. Yeah, I think I, – I don't mind that pick at all. I think I'm with you. Atlanta would have to make a pretty strong run at some point in the season. Um, and have, you know, I think a top, what would you say, top four, top five record in the East probably? I would say if they're fourth, if he, if he's averaging what he's averaging and they're a playing team, no one's going to care as much. But if they're in the top five and he's averaging like 30 and 
you know, 12, which he could very well do, probably maybe even more. I mean, he's he really, really finds his teammates well. I mean, it's to me, it's not like the way Russell Westbrook does. He's really finding guys. It's not just, hey, I'm dumping it off every time I get to the rim. Um, yeah, he's got the ball in his hands a lot, but, you know, it's not much different than people picking Luka Doncic. Right. Um, because Luka's getting that, that talk right now, and I don't see them being that good. So, but yeah, I agree. I think they'd have to be top five for you to give him any conversation about it. Yeah, and I, if they sniff, you know, if, they're, if you're talking about an Atlanta team that there's not a whole lot of expectation for, if they're sniffing 50 wins, 51, 52 wins, maybe you're now starting to have that conversation, depending on the type of year he has. You know, if that Atlanta team is in the top three, top four in the East, and they've got 50, 52 wins on their record, and they make it, you know, a 10-game swing from last year to this year, you've at least got to throw his name in the hat. You know, I, I agree with you, and it's funny because people, Luka right now is the favorite for the MVP, and it seems like he starts the year with that every year. Right. They didn't make the playoffs last year. I mean, Atlanta, Atlanta made the play-in. Luka's made a Western Conference Finals. Trey has made an Eastern Conference Finals. They, they're not having that different of a career. It's not like the Mavericks are dominating and Trey's just taking a lot of shots. Right. They're, they're not, like, swimming in success right now on either side, so... Trey, I feel like, you know, if they're good, could, could maybe be in that conversation. It's funny yeah. that neither of us mentioned Luca, but I know. I, I don't know. I just don't know if they'll be that good. And and part of me probably is a little bit soured from how their year went last season. I think I'm probably still a little bit um, hung up on the Kyrie trade, and I just don't still understand quite how that relationship is going to play out and how those two guys can play together when you've got two ball-dominant guards on the floor at the same time. And maybe – there's going to be some magic happen in Dallas, and they're going to make it work. They'll figure it out, and you know maybe Kyrie will have a resurgence that no one is expecting, and maybe things will change, and we'll be having a different conversation here in a couple of months, you know, about the type of season that Luke is having. But right now, Dallas is going to have to show me that they're a different team than how they finished last season before I'm willing to have too deep of a conversation about MVP candidates coming out of coming out of their squad. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I mean, they lost to one of the uh, international teams in preseason. Right. Uh, and I know that not everybody played their regular minutes. I get that. But still, it's <laughs> You're... Yeah, got, they've got a lot to prove. Yeah. You know? um, we're going to jump to the scoring title prediction here. This one's not really an award, uh, but it is something that, that I find interesting, a guy that can average the most points per game over the course of the season. Yeah. Um, who do you got there for the scoring title? I think – it's a one-man race this season, okay. and I All think right. you're going to enjoy my answer because I think it's Joel Embiid again. I'd love to see it. And it with the controversy they've got with James Harden, the uncertainty with their roster, him easily being hands down the best player on their team, if not the best player in the league. Uh, if, I'm, if I'm Nick Nurse, I think I'm asking the big fellow if he wants to be Wilt Chamberlain this year and take 45 shots a night. And if anything, I think he gets it simply by volume and the opportunity for him to get the shots up, to get the touches, to get the looks. He can live at the free throw line. We've seen that. And he's a very good free throw shooter. So he's going to collect his points. He's going to get his shots. And I think it's Joel Embiid. I'd love to see it. I mean, he's won two two straight scoring titles. It's been super fun. I mean, it's a good combination for him, too. Philly's got some talent. They just haven't figured it out. Like, I love Tyrese Maxey. I, I do too. Have a good year. Um, Doc Rivers, I think Joel Embiid loved playing for him. It seemed like he did because 
Um, the relationship seemed to be uh, pretty good, and Doc just fed him, man. I mean, they yeah. just ran everything through him. And then when they got Harden, Harden was leading the league, you know, in assists per game to the guy who was, you know, the leading guy in points per game. I mean, they just they they mesh really well. Harden just, you know, is I don't want to talk about him much anymore. But Harden is <laughs> just being who he is. He just I mean, doesn't but, like Daryl Morey. No, yeah, he yeah he just he that is. A relationship that can now that can never be never be mended, but Embiid I think is could definitely be up there, especially if Harden's out and they it's just him and Maxi. Yeah, I think they're going to be a much better defensive team with Nick Nurse. I'm excited to see what it looks like, but I can also see them saying, "Hey, how efficient can we be with with getting him the ball as much as humanly possible?" And yeah. that's what they've been doing, and I'm curious to see if if he can do it again. And I'd love to see it again. Yeah, who do you got? Uh, so a guy we just talked about, you brought him up. I have Shea Gildas Alexander. Last year, he averaged 31.4 points per game on 51% shooting. And what's awesome is he's a guard that does not really live the three-point line in today's game. He is, uh, uh, for some guys who have really followed the game for a long time, and before my time, but he's got an Alex English-esque game. He's okay. got that pull up in the... Old you know school, yeah. Yeah. Alex English, by the way, leading scorer of the 1980s. Not a lot of people know that, but 1980s decade, he had the most points. Um, he kind of has that mid-range, he has that you know kind of high release. He's not like faster than anybody. It doesn't seem like he's just very quick and get to his spots. And there's going to be even more spacing on this team. There's more of the threat in Chet Holmgren. He's got a real pick-and-roll partner. Yeah. Uh, Josh Gidding wants to get everybody the ball all the time. He is a fun passer. If he's got a guy that you really have to worry about rolling and you can't double with Shea as much, he's going to get right to that 10, 12, 15, 17-foot shot whenever he wants. And it's fun because I think he was the leading scorer in the paint for a portion of the season last year. Yeah. And was the leading scorer. I think he was in maybe in the top five for the rest of the year. I'll have to go back and look at that, but... For a guard to do that, a guy that's listed as a point guard or a, or a two, to be leading the points in the paint like that is, is pretty impressive. Yeah, and it's not a guy that's a high flyer really going to the rim. It's a guy that's pulling up and taking those, you know, those mid range shots. And it's pretty fun to see. He's he's definitely got an old school game. He's very smooth, and I think that, like you said, that team's exciting. They've got a lot of stuff around him, and I think with the addition of Chet being a guy that can space it, and you have to account for him picking and popping and picking and rolling. I think I think Shea could could continue to be above 30. And if, if you're above 30, you're a contender for that. And we have more yeah. guys that are doing that, but I, I don't know. I think it's his year. Yeah, and you don't really think a whole lot in a situation you think, you know, Damian Lillard going to Milwaukee, how does that make Giannis a better score? Well, you bring in a guy like Chet Holmgren into OKC, how is that going to equate to Shea Gilgis-Alexander scoring more points and winning a scoring title? Well, it means he's going to get a lot easier – Shots. He's going to have more opportunities to get easy buckets. And in the NBA, that's all it takes is one or two extra easy buckets a night. And you're talking about a guy going from averaging 30 a game to maybe he's going to average 32, 33 a game. Yeah. Um, and you have to welcome the addition to, to of Holmgren to that team. And I'm with you. I don't. I would not be surprised at all if he is the the scoring title champion. And that team is going to be buku's of fun to watch all season long. Uh, I love it. I, I'm, I'm excited watching their preseason games. Like I, that's the team I want to. We talked about the Commissioner's Cup. 
That's the team I kind of want to see go in there and steal that Commissioner's Cup. It'd be fun if they kind of walked in and grabbed that yeah. as a young young team. But uh, what do we have next on the award list here? Uh, let's go with the Defensive Player of the Year. This was Jaron Jackson Jr.'s award last year, shot blocker, yeah. um, kind of man down the lane, man down the paint for the Memphis Grizzlies last season. Cam, who do you like for this award coming into this year? Okay, cool. I'm, I'm going to go with another big man, um, and usually it's kind of a hard – award for a guard to win anyway i've got a guy who was first team all defense last year um and i maybe have to fact check myself but i believe in it and they had the number one defense in the league the cleveland cavaliers i'm taking evan mobley uh evan mobley last year so jaron jackson jr won the defensive player of the year like you said he had a defensive rating of uh 105.3 so his defensive rating is 105 and so for those who don't know the lower the better on that um, last season he was 108, and I know it's the preseason. He played just a few games in the preseason, but it's still interesting. He was at 106 in the preseason, and I know that's, again, limited minutes, limited sample size. I get that, but he's very, very versatile, and I think that's what I like. Jaron Jackson, great defender, uh, blocked a lot of shots, protected the paint. What I like about Mobley is he he reminds me, and, he's, and I'm you know not saying that that's what he'll become, but he reminds me a lot of – you know, that young Minnesota Timberwolves, Kevin Garnett. Yeah. He's a good paint defender, but he can get out in, on a guard as good as anybody in the league can. He really moves his feet well on the perimeter. He blocks shots. He moves in to help really easily. And they've got like a twin tower defense down there. Right. With him and Jared Allen. I mean, that that's why they were the number one defense. But to me, I can see him doing that because like when Giannis won Defensive Player of the Year, they had Brooke Lopez – who would protect the rim, and they would often put Giannis on a poor shooter and kind of let Giannis chase down to go block a shot yeah. um, while Lopez kind of manned the middle. I see that a lot for Mobley with Jarrett Allen. If you've got Allen there in the paint to protect, you're going to have guys taking bad angles for shots, trying to pull up, and that's where Mobley can come in and chase and take you down or, or switch out onto that guard where he's not as worried about getting blown by because Allen's down there and he can guard in the perimeter and block some shots uh, and maybe kind of play safety a little bit. Uh, I'm excited about Evan Mobley. I think he gets better all the time. His offense um, continues to, you know, tend, is uh, steadily improving. And he and it reminds me a lot of Garnett in that way. So uh, I've got Evan Mobley. I think he'll be he'll be really fun to watch for that team. I'm uh I'm gonna kind of flip the switch on that a little bit because like you said, you made the mention it's difficult for a guard to win NBA Defensive Player of the Year. And I think you're right. The last several years, um, the way that offenses have changed, but also the way that defenses have changed, the way in which they defend, and trying to funnel everything into the lane to a big man who just simply waits there to block your shot. Um it certainly has lended itself from a defensive standpoint to the big men and to players who are taller and longer to be NBA Defensive Player of the Years. Uh, I'm going to say that there's going to be a shift okay. happening in the NBA. Looking at some of the guards that we have around the league and the way that some of these teams are structured, I think we're going to get back to a point where we're going to have some defensive guards who dictate the way the game is played. And we've got some teams with very capable offenses with a whole lot of firepower where I think we're going to get back into having a point guard or a two guard that does not have to be relied on heavily to score that is going to be where a team invests their money in paying for a guy to be a defensive stopper once again. 
And for me, I've got two different options, um, one from the Eastern Conference, one from the Western Conference, because I couldn't really pick between them. Uh, for me, my first option is Drew Holiday out of Boston, him just like recently being traded. Like I said, I don't think that they're in a situation offensively where he's going to have to be counted on to go get 20 points a night, but I do think he's going to be counted on to guard the other team's best player every single night, and I think he's going to change the game by doing it. My second player, who I think has a very strong chance of doing this because he's young, he's incredibly fast, and he loves to play with pace, and that is De'Aaron Fox out of Sacramento. Oh, okay. That kind of surprised me that you picked him. I think that I think Sacramento has the potential to be a very uh, surprising team this year. I know they kind of came out of nowhere last year and made a little bit of a run toward the playoffs. They've done nothing, I think, but make themselves better over the course of the summer. I'm excited to watch them play, but I think De'Aaron Fox is a guy who could really make a run for Defensive Player of the Year. He can get up into people. He's fast. He's long, and he's incredibly quick. Um, so I think his ability to not only be an on-ball defender, but also to play passing lanes, uh, I think is going to be something that's interesting to watch. So I think both of those guys will have their name in the conversation this year. I like that pick. It's interesting because you pick a team that's not super um, defensively focused. I mean, they're, they had the best offense last year. But um, that's interesting, especially when you're talking about playing the passing lanes like that. Because yeah. usually if, if you're going to be a guard that wins it, you're getting a lot of steals. I know Marcus Smart won a couple years ago, but – it's not um, it's not that common. I like those picks. I really like Drew. I think that'll be uh, interesting for him in Boston if he can just be the defensive guy. Yeah, I mean, he really might be the piece that Boston is missing. Yeah, I, I agree with you. The next award here is, I mean, is there much of an argument? I mean, I, I, I guess there is, yes, but... Go ahead, just throw it out there. We know who you're going, just... So... We're going to talk rookie of the year. Absolutely. I, I, I'm assuming we have the same person. And again, this is not taken away from what Scoot Henderson's going to be. He's going to be phenomenal. Right. Chet Holmgren is going to be awesome. And everyone else that thinks they're going to try and get this award, they're, they're great. They're great. And they're going to play super hard thinking that they're competing for it. But I, I, just, I just think if he's healthy, I don't think it's a question. Uh, Say it. We all know the answer. Victor Wimanyam, that number one answer on the board, survey says Victor Wimanyam. Uh, let's just take a minute on Dude, he's looked amazing. Like, better offensively than what I expected coming into the NBA. Again, I know it's preseason, but I don't care. I mean, defensively, I thought he would be, okay, this guy's going to be for real on defense, just with the length and the instinct. He looks, looks like Kevin Durant. <laughs> like, he's looked like Kevin Durant out there. I, I don't know what your thoughts are, but uh, I'm going to read some stats, and then you can talk about it. But <laughs> So, just in the preseason, and again, I know the preseason, it's hard to not overreact, but averaging 21.5 points on 64.3% field goal percentage. That's pretty good. 4.5 rebounds. It would be nice to see that number go up. It will. He'll get more minutes. It'll be okay. It, it'll be fine. Yeah. Two assists, two blocks. One and a half three pointers. He's not taking a ton of threes. It doesn't seem like he's really. No, it doesn't have to. Yeah. One steal, and again, only playing 21. Right. 21 minutes across, you know, just a few games. But it's it's the eye test, man. What, what are you seeing? Yeah, I don't disagree. I think easily the perennial, the, the going away favorite to win rookie of the year is Wimbenyama. Um, I'm going to go a different route, though, on you. I'm taking Chet Holmgren 
to win Rookie of the Year only for this reason. Oklahoma City is going to have a better record. They're going to be in the playoffs. They are a better team. And unfortunately for Wimby, he plays in San Antonio. Everything is going to be about him. Their team is not very good. Their record's going to be fairly poor. And I think that that will play into voters' minds. Uh, you've got to wonder, obviously, you know, playing 21 minutes a night in the preseason, is he playing against every other team's best? Sometimes. But you've got to wonder what it's going to look like for him when the NBA season is really here. And they're in the middle of December. They're in the middle of January. They're in a grind. They've lost four or five or six in a row. And to me, when the the physicality and things like that, at some point, it's it's going to start to to wear on him a little bit because he is still thin. He's pretty frail. And yeah. if he can put some muscle on and put a little bit of weight on and bulk up a little bit, I don't have any. I won't have any worries about him at all. Um, I hope he stays healthy. I think if he stays healthy, he's really going to be – it's going to be hard not to pick him as Rookie of the Year, but I think just simply based on record, the fact that Holmgren is a little bit older, um, he's been around the NBA for a year, he understands the system, it's probably going to be a little bit easier acclimation for him because he has somebody like Shea Gilgis-Alexander and Josh Giddy and those guys that he can rely on a little bit. All of the lights are going to be on Wimby. And I think that there's probably going to be an immense amount of pressure on him. People are probably going to expect too much. And I think he'll have to almost over-deliver to, to run away with the award. So I think it's I think it's a two-horse race, him and Holmgren. I'm giving the edge to Holmgren simply based on what I think Oklahoma City's season is going to look like. Yeah, I I can see that, especially because it definitely is Wimbenyama's to lose. Yes, they're going to expect 20 points a night on high shooting. If it's not there, he's going to get ripped apart. Right. Every night he doesn't do well against another big. It's going to be he's not physical, you know, this and that. If Chet is steady and they're good, I can see that too. I mean, I love Chet Holmgren. I think he's awesome. I think he's um, he gives me some young – he defends better at that t- at this age, but like – or just better in general. Like, no offense to Dirk Nowitzki, but he, he plays like a young Dirk. He moves yeah. out there like that. Um, and is a legit defensive player. Uh, I, I'm excited if they both get it. I just think if Wimbenyama performs well, I mean, like, unless he just has several bad games and they're not good and then he gets hurt or something, but if he does what he does just now um, in the preseason where it's not spectacular, but it's just better than what we thought right at the beginning, right. I don't see how they won't. Because they're, they're dying to give it to him. Oh, a thousand percent, yeah. But I, But to your point, they're probably also dying to take it away from him too. Yeah. Um, if he doesn't perform, they're ready to rip him up. Yeah. Um, that would be that would be almost as exciting as the MVP race. Like, <laughs> like there's yeah, it's going to be cool, as like, fun to watch. Yeah, like there's always a cool like, hey, this guy's going to be rookie of the year. They always have a guy that they think's the favorite, and and to be uh, and to be honest, most of the time the guy ends up winning. Like the person we expect. This is a race. Like this is a real yeah, you know, battle between these two guys. So it'll be pretty cool. Um, last two awards that I want to talk about, and I think I threw these on you maybe unexpectedly, but the most improved player and the sixth man okay. of the year. I think these are really important. I'm a big fan of the, the sixth man of the year award. Um, I think it's really important. I, I've done pretty well at picking the sixth man of the year the past couple of years. Um, 
And I think it's because there's really only one factor that goes into it. So I'll let you pick which one you want to name first. No, oh, let's just, uh, let's knock them both out. Let's go six man. Okay, six man. Who you got? I'm I'm going Homer. I am straight Homer mode on these two awards here. I'm sticking okay. with the Indiana Pacers. Six right. man again. This is kind of based on what I I project their lineup to look like. But six man of the year for me is Bruce Brown. That's who I think is going to win. Uh, he's going to go from a being in a place in in Denver where he really just kind of filled a role off the bench. You know, coming to Indiana, taking a little bit more money, getting a pay raise. Um, still probably more than likely going to be coming off the bench, will be the sixth man, but he's going to be the dude coming off the bench for the Pacers. He's going to lead that second unit. He'll probably get starters minutes some nights. He'll probably play a large portion of his minutes with the starters off and on throughout the year. Um, but I think with him coming to Indiana, coming off the bench, being the guy that they're going to look to to be the spark plug off the bench – and kind of be a go-to guy, I think he's going to put himself in a really nice position to possibly have a career year in a lot of ways, in a lot of aspects, um, statistically. Uh, but I also think it's going to work its way into him being in the conversation for sixth man of the year, too. Yeah, I like that pick. I think he's got it. He's going to be the glue guy that maybe takes them into a team that's, you know, sneaky with that play-in game. Yeah. Um, so I kind of have a sixth man of the year formula and that is essentially, if you score the most points as the six man, they kind of just <laughs> give it to you. That like, is fair. You could be, like, Bruce Brown might make them a playoff team because of the chemistry and the leadership and, like, the great minutes and plus minus. It seems like literally it's like, hey, he just averaged 20 off the bench, just give it to him. Yeah. Um, the Jamal Crawfords, Lou Williams. Last year it was Tyler Hero, right? Yeah. Um, and I picked him before the year. Um, I picked several in the past just because of that. So watching preseason, it looks like there's a guy that's maybe got his sixth man role uh, locked up, okay. maybe. Uh, and that's why I'm picking Cam Thomas from the Brooklyn. Oh, I Nets. like that. Yeah, it's a good pick. He's he's got some Lou Williams, Jamal Crawford. I mean, you know, vibes to him there. He he had a couple forty point games last year. Uh, he's he's just a bucket. Like that's all yeah. he does is, is score. He, he is a defensive liability. <laughs> I mean, he's completely gets picked apart with each other on defense, but they've got a really good defensive team in Brooklyn. I want to yeah. talk about them later on here, but they've got a lot of length and stuff. Maybe it can protect him enough that he comes in the second quarter and it's like, Hey, a couple of these guys are, are, you know, sitting down that, you know, this, these next 10 minutes are yours. Yeah. And I think um, honestly for most teams, like with your sixth man, I think you want a guy that is a absolute, just flash in the pan, bolt of energy, shot in the arm, go get some buckets, put some points on the board. That's what I think they want your minutes to look like if you're coming off the bench, especially as a sixth man. As a guard like he is, he had some flashes last season where he played great. Uh, I like that pick. I think that's good. Brooklyn's going to be fun. Yeah, they'll be they'll be interesting, and I think because he doesn't have to be a guy that, you know, he was starting some last year, and now they, it seems like they've got a roster that's going to be consistent. Fingers crossed for them. Uh, I don't know. I just feel like he's going to shoot the heck out of the ball. Yeah. Uh, and so that, that's my pick just because it seems like six man is like, who scored the most points? All right, give it to that guy. Yeah. So uh, that's my six man. Uh, before we take a quick break and get into some other stuff, what most improved? This one's overlooked, but I like most improved. I'm staying home. I'm homer in both of these awards. Right. Uh, most improved for me, I'm going to go Aaron Naismith from the Indiana oh. Pacers. Um, he had a couple of flashes last year. Was in Minutes weren't necessarily the most consistent um, he'd have nights where he'd get, you know, 25 minutes or so, have nights where he didn't play very much. But he had a couple of highlight dunks 
last year in games that ranked up there with the best dunks of the year um, and really kind of started to come into his own late last season, even though the Pacers really weren't in contention. He kind of started to find a little bit of a role, find a little bit of a niche on the team. The preseason, he's getting more minutes. He looks incredibly comfortable out there on the floor. And I think his numbers are going to do nothing but increase. And he's going to be a guy obviously coming off the bench for the Pacers, but he's going to get a significant amount of minutes. And as somebody that the Pacers are going to rely on as a major major role player and uh, major guy on their roster to get them where they want to be, you know, which is hopefully in the playoffs this year. I like that pick. I like that you were at home. This is a pick offense podcast. It we is. Pick more Indiana guys. I am. I'm un, unashamed to pick my home you got your choices. Shirt on right now. Unashamed. I will wear my Pacers gear until the day I die. Forget it. We're putting Halliburton MVP. Have That's the to. Pick defense podcast selection. Have to. Miles Turner, MVP. defensive player of the year. Buddy Hield scoring title. <laughs> three point title, maybe. A three point title. Okay, we'll do that. Maybe it's Matherin. Maybe he's the scoring title guy. So I have one. So I'm going to be on record and say if Cade Cunningham has a really good year, he's going to get it. That's not who I have here, but there's already a ton of talk of like they're going to give it to him. That's fair. If he has a good year, I think they're just going to give it to him. Um, And I think he will have a good year. So my prediction is Cade Cunningham, but here's my pick. Same team, Detroit Pistons. I like the situation that James Wiseman is in. Okay. He's got two really good facilitating guards. Ivy can play that pick and roll. Cunningham's just going to throw lobs to those guys all the time. They've got Marvin Bagley, who was also a person I considered picking for this, um, and may also sneak around with a, be sneaky with a six-man of the year pick, too, with, right. uh, with Bagley, um, because he's had some nice preseason games. I like um, what they've got with Jalen Duran. He looks like a real too. lob yep. threat to, with Cunningham. But I think Wiseman is being groomed to be their five. And he's really efficient in the preseason. He's 12 points a game. He's not, not played a ton of minutes. I mean, nobody does that much. 12, 12 points a game, 90% field goal percentage. Again, just a couple games. But... If he could be a guy that could be in the high 60s, maybe teetering with 70% field goal percentage because he's taking those lobs, he's getting great shots. Yep. Because there's a lot of that. We're going to talk about Detroit here in a minute, but there's a lot of talent on the perimeter. And there's a guy that really wants to throw those lobs and make those nice pocket passes. Wiseman was the number two pick who didn't get the opportunity, I feel like, in Golden State. If he's... 15 points a game or more, double-digit rebounds. I, I don't know. I think it'd be hard not to give him most improved just because they were kind of just dismissing him in Golden State. Now he yeah. looks like he's in a great spot. That yeah. team's fun. We're going to get back Yeah, to that's that, a good pick. I think I Detroit's going to be fun. I like that. I like that pick, and I'm with you. If he puts himself in a position to average a double-double, Detroit's probably going to be decent. Uh, and, again, kind of given the fact that Golden State seemingly gave up on him and the resurgence, so to speak, that he would have coming into this season – I think it's an easy pick if he goes yeah. out and has a has a as a for him a great year for sure. I think Detroit ha- is going to maybe have two or three guys that are competing against each other for most improved. Uh, there's three guys that, that have a good shot there. Um, yeah, that was pretty fun. I, I, I'm excited to see who gets those awards. I think there's going to be battles for these awards. I don't think there's an odds-on favorite really for any of these. 
Uh, when we come back, let's talk sleeper teams, um, who we think is going to have the best record, and who's going to win the NBA Finals. I love what they've All right, uh, welcome back. Our last segment here is one I'm pretty excited about. We're going to talk um, a more team aspect here. Talk about some sleeper teams, some teams we feel like are going to be really good, fun, exciting teams, teams that might um, sneak into a playoff or teams that might sneak through the playoffs. We'll talk about what, what I'm going to call league pass teams. Those are those teams that you got to tune in on league pass, just like, man, I, I want to watch this team. If they're on, i got to check them out. Uh, we're going to pr- give our uh, projection for the best record in the NBA and then talk, ultimately, the NBA Finals. Um I've got actually a short list here of sleeper teams, but also some players I think that will be fun. Okay. Um, that maybe aren't getting talked yeah. about as much. Yeah, fun conversation. So, yeah, let's go. Let's go sleeper teams here. So I've got three teams that I think are kind of being slept on, so to speak, right now. Okay. Um, Where are you starting? Starting off, it's the <laughs> the team that you're just tired of me texting you about, and I do it about every other day. <laughs> Because, and I'm going to put them together because this is my sleeper team and my sleeper players. I'm back on the Ben Simmons bus, man. And I, he's he's like a he's like that uh, that guy that you know one of your you know the girl that you're friends with and she just keeps going back to him dating and you're like he's no good for you, but she just keeps going back. You know so that's Ben Simmons to me. Like, I don't follow for those Instagram videos anymore where he looks like he's practicing threes. But, man, when I see him throw a behind-the-back pass or get a steal in transition, I'm just... Cam, he hit one turnaround jump shot, and now we're sitting here pounding the the pavement for Ben Simmons. I'm back in. Okay. I can can change him, Derek. (laughs) (laughs) You can will him to becoming a serviceable jump shooter. That's right. I can change him. There's good in him. Okay, uh, so you got Bro- you got Brooklyn as your first sleeper team. You got, I got Brooklyn. Brooklyn I got Brooklyn as my sleeper team, um, and I have Ben Simmons and Mikael Bridges as some like a sleeper, uh, some players in a duo. They're they're pretty interesting because they look a little like Boston has looked with all those long, versatile switching guards and bigs. That's fair. They don't have a true big with Nick Claxton, who I like a lot. Yeah. Um, who's been really loving the pick and roll on this team and, and taking some, some serious lobs and blocking a lot of shots. Claxton switches and guards the perimeter, and he goes back and guards the paint. Their starting lineup potentially looks like Ben Simmons, Mikhail Bridges, Cam Johnson, Dorian Finney-Smith and Nick Claxton. They don't have anybody under 6'8". Right. That's pretty fun. We're getting away from small ball and getting into some really, you know, long and skill ball here. Yeah. Um, Ben Simmons is an elite defender. Mikael Bridges is an elite defender. Dorian Finney-Smith is. Claxton is. And Cam Johnson in Phoenix looked like he was becoming one. That's a lot of length. Three guys that can really shoot the basketball. One guy that refuses to shoot the basketball. Right. And... And Nick Claxton, who looks like he'll just do anything you want out there. I mean, he yeah. wants he wants to pick and roll and rebound. I mean, that's just it. Um, they're, I think, I really think they can make playoffs. Um, the East is weird. There's always those teams that sneak in. Yeah. I think defensively, if that's what they're going to you know be a team that that's their identity defensively, they could be as good as anybody in this league. They've been really fun to watch. They're playing fast. They're taking a lot of 
a lot of outside shots there. Ben Simmons is loving in transition, throwing the ball to, to these three-point shooters and, and getting downhill and throwing some you know behind-the-back passes and stuff like he did as a rookie. Um, I'm back on the Ben Simmons bus, and I, I like what the Brooklyn Nets have. I think they're going to be more fun than when they had Durant and Kyrie. They just look like a fun team. Yeah. Well, it's a team that plays together. I mean, you talk about Durant and Kyrie, that's all well and good. But the one, you know, you had issues with both of them staying healthy. You had the whole... You know, Kyrie only being able to play in half the games. He couldn't play at home. And so those two never really got off the ground with one another, never really had a chance to see what they could be. You've got a bunch of young guys here with absolutely nothing to lose, with no ego, and they just want to go play ball. And it's going to be, I'm with you, it's going to be a blast to watch that team play. Yeah, I'm excited for them. Uh, who do you have as a sleeper? We'll jump over to you. Uh, this one, I wrote it down as a sleeper. They're a contender in the East, but I don't think that they're being mentioned as someone who can legitimately knock the door down. And you kind of prefaced it earlier with a few of the guys that you mentioned, um, but I think Cleveland is a real sleeper in the East. You know, not being a team, obviously, that, you know, is borderline a playoff team. They're going to be a top three, top four seed in the in the East, but they're also not being mentioned in the same breath as Milwaukee and Boston because of what those two teams have on paper and have done in previous seasons. But depending on how this season shakes out with what Cleveland can do defensively and with, like we talked about, their backcourt being elite and being special, with what that team has, I think they have a real shot to shock some people um, this season, depending on, again, how things shake out in the East. But I'm not, I'm not sleeping on Cleveland and acting like there's no chance that they make a run at the conference finals. Um, I agree with you that I have them on my list too. I, I love that team. And Darius Garland was on my list of sleeper players, too. He's a real point guard. Like, he's a hybrid of the modern point guard as the pull-up shooter and a real facilitator. He, he reminds me a lot of Steve Nash. Yeah. Like, he plays in that kind of way. Like, it's like, oh, man, that guy definitely grew up watching, you know, Steve Nash and, and learning from that. Yeah. He doesn't play in the same way like Curry and, and Lillard do. It, it reminds me a lot of that. Um he doesn't take a ton of shots. He's very, 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 very efficient. He was over 20 points a game. He was over 40% from three. Um, he's got an awesome backcourt partner in Mitchell, and they had the best defense in the league last year. Um, it's really interesting because they had those, you know, a really big front court and then a pretty small backcourt. Like, Mitchell and Garland are pretty small in terms of a one and two. Yeah. Um, but they're fun. And, you know, the they had some guys, and they had love for a little bit, and they've had some guys, you know, on and off. Um, that it seems like are, you know, it seems like they've got some interesting depth. I I just like that team. I like that they, if they're healthy, is steady, and I just love a team like that that's going to be um, defensively as elite as they are. Yeah. Uh, I, I wouldn't be shocked if they finish in the top two in terms of record. I wouldn't be shocked if, you know, if um, they sneak in and upset one of those teams in the playoffs, you know, if they, if they go against Milwaukee or go against Boston, I wouldn't be shocked. Right. Um, they're not, they're not sneaky to me. I think a lot of people are overlooking them, but I, I like them and they're, they're really, really fun. Yeah. I don't disagree there at all. Who else is on? You have anybody else on your list team wise? I have one more team. Okay. I have, so I had Cleveland like you, I had Brooklyn, my other sleeper team. Uh, another guy with some off the court issues here, but I really think New Orleans is interesting. I like the New Orleans Pelicans. They okay. made the playoffs last year. They're a good team. 
they're a very unselfish team. They move the ball well. They're balanced. They have good guards. They really want to play defense. Uh, Valanciunas is a fun big. Ingram is a for real wing. Um, and regardless of what you know his interests are off the court at times, <laughs> uh, to each their own, uh, Zion Williamson is borderline unguardable. Um, two years ago when they had that little point Zion experiment, if you remember, yeah, when they were figuring things out, you know, with him, he was averaging 29 a game. I saw a stat where he, uh, 80, he makes or gets his own rebound on like over 80% of his shots. It's that stat is absurd. Yeah. Like he either makes it or he gets his own rebound and then scores it. That is not, it's not fair. It's not, like, he looks just like he's an older kid out yeah, there. Yeah. It's not normal. No, and yes, he doesn't have the shot. He doesn't need it. He doesn't need to be a three-point guy. He's got McCollum and Ingram and a slew of other guys. Yeah. Trey Murphy was a guy that came on for them last year who's a legit scorer. Herb Jones is fun. They've got a lot of shooting and two dynamic stars that are going to be all-stars in Ingram and Zion Williamson. Yes. Uh, that's my team that I think finishes higher in the West than what people expect. You know Denver will be up there. You know that Golden State's going to fight their way up there, and there's some other consistent teams. I think the Pelicans, I'm, I'm going to make the prediction that they finish in the top four. Okay. That's a bold four. statement. That's a bold it, statement. It, it's tough because I have another Western Conference team that I think is going to have the best record in the league. But I uh, I think they're top four. I think that they're – I don't think they're better than Sacramento or Denver or Golden State, but maybe they're better than Golden – finish better than Golden State. Okay. Because of the age, and maybe they sit guys. I'm not saying they're better, but they're good. And with Zion, they look really good. So they're yeah. my they're my sleeper team in terms of I think they're actually being slept on. Like people okay. forgot about them. Okay. You have anybody else? Uh, the only other team I jotted down, and I'm going straight Homer again because it is the Pick and Fence podcast, and we do what no, we baby. want. Um, Indiana Pacers as my second sleeper team. From a standpoint of I think that they at least break through, I think they make the playoffs, and I don't mean the play-in. I think they're going to be a top-six seed okay. in the East. I don't think that there's a play-in conversation for them. Tyrese Halliburton, I think, made a major leap last year. We saw the type of player he's the type of player he's capable of being. Miles Turner, I'm hoping, is 100% bought in. You know, They gave him a huge chunk of change, and hopefully he realizes where his bread's buttered. And if he is bought in... You get Halliburton, you get another year of Mathurin. He's going to be a year older. I think he has to be in the starting lineup this year. You talk about Buddy Heald, all of those trade rumors and things hopefully are put to bed. He can lead the league in three-pointers made. Um, And then they've got a bunch of just nice, youthful pieces that they bring in off the bench like we talked about with Brooklyn. They're just guys that want to go play ball. And then you throw in a veteran like Bruce Brown who has an NBA championship and brings in that type of cachet with him – that experience, um, I think he's going to command respect in the locker room. He's going to be a great guy for the chemistry and for the culture of that team. And I look at Indiana as making a, a real jump this coming up season. Agreed, and I really like Jairus Walker. I do too. I think they made a great pick there. He's a dog. Like That's just the only way to describe him is he's a dog. He's fun. Um, that's cool. The only other guy I have, I had a quick one here just as a sleep player pick. Um Amid, amidst uh, all the controversy in Philadelphia, there's a lot of what will Embiid do, where's Harden going to go. I think Tyrese Maxey's making a jump. I think he gets better every year. And if Harden's gone and they just get some pieces back, 
Um, that two-man game with Embiid and Maxi, I think, is going to be way better than what people think. I think, I think that's Max, fair. I think Maxi's a real a real player. They're they're going to make the playoffs unless there's you know an injury um, to Embiid. Um, I think I think Maxi's a real player, man. He's yeah. he's fun. He's a dynamic guard. He's not really a one, um, but he's improving his shooting every year. He gets to the rim really well. He gets better on defense. Uh, I just like Tyrese Maxey. I like a guy that like he comes back and you're like, oh, he actually worked on something in the offseason and got better. Yeah. Um, so I think Maxey's a guard that in the Eastern Conference, especially if Harden leaves, people are going to take notice. Yeah. Okay. Well, we talk about sleeper teams. What about what about our all NBA league pass teams? Our our teams that yeah. we're thinking are just going to be fun that you and I want to turn on a game and just watch these guys play. Who are some teams that you're looking forward to seeing this year? So. I've got three guys. There's, there's one team on this list, but I'm going to save them okay. for a little bit later because we're going to have another discussion with them. So I'm, I'm going to leave them off. But i got three teams here. Okay. Um, my first one is who we talked about earlier. And they've been the team I paid attention to um, on YouTube when they, they've all come together to play at some of those like um, like Rico Hines, you know, those those uh, runs where those players all get together and oh, pick, up, yeah. pick up games. Uh, they've had some fun preseason highlights. I like the Detroit Pistons. Okay. Now uh, we brought up some of them earlier. I think Cade Cunningham is going to be an MVP candidate in the future. Uh, Jay Nivey was super fun as a rookie last year. Asar Thompson looks legit. He looks like a guy that could have been a number one pick. Um, he's really, really good. He he is bouncy. He's a defender. He shoots the ball better than I thought that he could. They've got some fun bigs. Jalen Duran was awesome watching him play. Uh, and some summer stuff. Uh, I, I think Marvin Bagley found a nice role. I said I thought Wiseman could be in the conversation for most improved player. They've got some other fun guys in like uh, Bogdanovich um, and, you know, just a, a young group that has a new coach. And I think that's what's going to be really fun about this. Yeah. You get a brand new coach in Monty Williams with championship level experience. And now you just give him a bunch of young guys that are really, really hungry. It's not the superstar issues that you had in Phoenix. It's not the win-now mentality in Phoenix where they were just blowing stuff up, which kind of doesn't make sense to us. We talked about that before. Yeah. Um, there's no reason Monty Williams shouldn't still be in Phoenix. <laughs> and he's got talent that they're going to – they already signed into a big contract and a long contract. He's got some years to play with a team that is under contract for a while or hopefully will stay there for a while. I think they're – contending team in the next couple of years. Um, they're my league pass team because they're going to be fun. They may, they may win 15 games. You know what I mean? I think they'll win more than that, but like they could end up winning nothing and they'll be awesome every night because yeah. Cunningham's going to be, he's got some Luka Doncic vibes to me. He's that big guard that just facilitates everything, but he doesn't seem selfish at all. He doesn't yeah. seem like he cares. He can shoot two shots. It seems like he doesn't care. Yeah. Um, I think this team's fun. They've got some fun pick and roll. They've got athletes. They are young and hungry and I think have, you know, a top two or three coach in the league. All right. You have anybody else? Yeah. I got a couple more league pass teams here. Okay. My other two league pass teams, I have, just because I think they're a fun basketball team, I call them the Island of Misfit Toys. I think the last podcast. The Utah Jazz, my favorite coach right now with Will Hardy, because he's very creative, very smart, uh, did a lot of good stuff in Boston. They had Laurie Markkinen, who was most improved last year. He was a stud. They have Walker Kessler, who was a shot block machine. They brought John Collins in from Atlanta, which is cool. Yep. They've got Taylor Horton Tucker, Colin Sexton, and just a slew of these guys. Uh, Jordan Clarkson, who's a bucket getter. Um, 
they've got just a random slew of guys that you're like, that wouldn't work. And it's so creative. They have a fun offensive identity. The ball moves. They have good shot makers. They, they take good shots. Um, they're just fun to me because it just looks like um, it just looks like this random team. of There's nobody on there that you would expect to be um, any good. You wouldn't expect them to compete. And I could see them being a playing team just because they're that creative and a team of guys that it seems like they're over themselves. It doesn't yeah. seem like they carry superstars. It feels like they just want to go out and play. Um, I like that group. Utah's fun. Uh, I watch a lot of their stuff to get some, you know, steal plays and all kinds of stuff from them. They're great. And then my last team here, League Pass team, is the Houston Rockets. I just got rid of Kevin Porter today. I don't know if you saw that. Saw that. He's Trade. immediately waved, though. Yeah, immediately waved by the Thunder. Um, probably a good, good call on everybody's part. Yeah. Um, but Houston's got a young group of really talented players, and they brought in some veterans, and they brought in Ime Adoka, who did, with the exception of one thing, everything else was awesome that he did in Boston. Yeah. Uh, what, one, one, one mistake. One little, one minor slip up. Minor slip up. Maybe, maybe you shouldn't have done that one. But he's got a fun team because they're young. They've got a couple first round draft picks, the other Thompson twin, um, Jabari Smith. And then they've got these veterans that have come in, um, like Fred Van Fleet and Dylan Brooks, who, you know, has his issues, but seems like a competitive guy. I think they'll be fun just because you're going to see elite defense. You're going to see young guys develop. I think you're going to see MA take a young, impressionable team and make them tough. Uh, yeah. That's what he did in Boston, and I think that's what he's going to do in Houston and straighten stuff up. So those are my three teams. Um, I just think they're interesting, and they're teams you won't be disappointed watching. Do you have any yeah. guys like that in the league past? Yeah, team? I'll give you mine. Um, I went Detroit also with their youth and what they've got. I really like their players and their roster, the way they're constructed. They're going to be a lot of fun to watch and should be very improved. And the other two teams I mentioned, we've talked about guys on both these rosters already, but Sacramento and Oklahoma City. Um, I think both of those teams are going to make some noise in the Western Conference. They may make some surprises in the Western Conference. Uh, they both have a perennial all-star. You know, Sacramento with Sabonis, uh, OKC with Shea Gilgis-Alexander. I think both of those guys are going to do nothing but get better. And they make those teams so incredibly good. And the nice thing there, I like to watch both those teams because I think they play a similar style. They want to get up and down. They play with pace. Uh, neither teams are overly invested in the defensive side of the ball, but they play at such a fast pace and they're so good offensively that they can afford to not be the lockdown defensive teams that some of the other guys we've talked about earlier are. Uh, but I just I like the guard play on both those teams, De'Aaron Fox, uh, Shea Gildas-Alexander, Josh Giddy, both those teams, they're just high-octane and are teams that, you know, they may go for 140 a couple of nights this year. And yeah. it's going to be a team that, you know, both of those squads, when their game is on TV, you're going to stop and watch and want to pay attention for a little bit. So, uh, to me, it's going to be, if those teams are on, like I'm setting the schedule to make sure I catch a little bit of it. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. They're going to be really fun. Um OKC, I think, is going to be everybody's league pass team because they're very quirky. It's a unique-looking basketball team. It doesn't look like the modern NBA that much, but SGA's fun, Chet's fun, and I really like Josh Giddy. Yeah. Um, and I agree with you. I think they're a playoff team, too. Um, Sacramento uh, is interesting as well because they're really fast-paced, and I kind of want to talk about them uh, in a second because I haven't mentioned them at all uh, because that's my pick for the best record in the league. Let okay. Let me jump to that real quick. Uh, I picked Sacramento to finish with the best record. 
Um, and I also think that if I had to pick a Commissioner Cup team, like who's going to win, I think that's my pick too. Okay. In the, in the playoffs, if this is going to be single elimination, in the playoffs it's more about how you scheme defensively and you can't just rely on offensive firepower because as Miami proved, you can scheme defensively to take out some of that stuff. Yes. If you have a single elimination game where it's not going to be able to, to scout you know, for two nights and prep and you're just playing single game, I think Sacramento's a team will come out punching in the mouth in that tournament. Oh, yeah. Like, I think they're going to finish with the best record. They look hungry. Everyone's better. Keegan Murray looked like he belonged nowhere near a summer league court. Right. Sabonis so is someone we didn't talk about for MVP, but I think I think he's someone that could be up there. Yeah. Because he... He's Jokic-esque. He, he runs that team that way. Fox was in your conversation earlier for, you know, defensive player of the year. He's a guy that can win a scoring title. I mean, they've got a ton of offense. Yeah, they've got weapons on weapons on weapons. It's kind of like, you know, the Miami Dolphins or the Kansas City Chiefs. Like, where does it stop? Yeah, that's exactly what they look like. It, there's a guy that comes off the bench like, oh, well, that guy will hit three three-pointers yeah. in two minutes if you're not looking. Um, they brought in the guy from the Pacers, Chris Duarte, who's yeah. perfect for them. I like the beam. They've got a great culture. I think the fans want them to be good. I think yeah. this team is a bunch of guys who want to go out and prove something. Some other teams that I think will compete for the championship, and I'm not saying Sacramento can't. I think we'll rest guys. They sometimes take nights off. I don't think Sacramento's going to do that. I think they're coming out to score 130, 140 every night, and they might they might do it. I mean, I think they're going to have the best record because I don't think they're going to take a night off. And yeah. I think they're coming to punch teams in the mouth every single night. They were on my league pass list, but I, I dropped it there just so I could talk about them here. Uh, they're my pick for best record because I just think they want it, man. How about you? Best record pick? Yep. I've got to go Milwaukee, and I hate to go chalk like this with MVP and oh. best record. Uh, but I don't think it's – there's not much of a surprise, I think, as far as who's going to compete for the best record in the league. I do think you're right, you're right with Sacramento. I think they're going to put themselves in a position because I think you've got guys that are not going to sit out games. I think you're going to look at a lot of guys that are going to play every single night. And I think that they want to surprise the league a little bit. They got a little bit of a taste last year. I think maybe they're going to be going for more this year. So the best record in the league is not out of the question. Um, I'm going to go Milwaukee. I think that they've got – Obviously, Giannis, Chris Middleton, Lopez, bringing in Dame, I think, is a game changer for them. And, you know, Boston, I think, is also going to be in the conversation for best record in the league, too. But I think with Milwaukee, I just look at them and I like their pieces, and I think that they're going to mesh pretty well together. And over the course of an 82-game season, I think that they'll come away, at least in my mind, as the team with the best record. Now, it may not necessarily equate out to an NBA championship, but I think over the course of 82 games, um, I think that they're, they will have the, the best record in the league. Yeah, you were talking about earlier how difficult they're going to be to guard because now you have Lillard who you absolutely can't leave, Yeah, and especially in pick-and-roll situations, and then you have the best forward in the league, and you've got a guy that's you know in talks of being maybe the best point guard. You know He's up there. Right. But there is probably as good of a pick-your-poison, pick-and-roll um, – in the league, I mean, that's what Philly had. You know what I mean? Philly yeah. had that that Harden Embiid uh, combo that you just you couldn't leave one of the guys, or it was an automatic bucket between those two. I think this could be an even better combo because I like what Lillard can do right now more than what Harden has been. I mean, Harden's just a different player the past couple of years. With Lillard, 
he wants to score 50. Like, yeah. And I know Howard's just been different lately. If, if you leave Lillard, he's going to score it. And if you leave and beat, I mean, that's what you were saying. You know, they could compete for scoring titles. They compete for MVPs. And now you're saying best record. They may be an unguardable matchup every single night. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, I like that pick. All right, for the uh, last but certainly not least. Grand finale. Yeah, our NBA finals matchup. And then ultimately our NBA finals champion. Um, who you got? For the matchup. We got, got it as the matchup. For the matchup, I think out of the West, I think we see the same thing. And actually, I think we may end up seeing a repeat. I've got Nuggets and Celtics. Uh, both teams have been there recently in the last couple of years. Uh, but I think we get a Nuggets-Celtics matchup. I know I talked about Milwaukee having the best record, but I think as far as the best team over the course of a seven-game series – what Boston has done, what Brad Stevens has done in orchestrating and putting this roster together, bringing in a guy like Porzingis to help solidify that lineup to give them a stretch four and to take the pressure off of Porzingis. He's had to be the number one or number two guy on every team he's been on up until this point. Now he's your fourth best player in your starting lineup. There's going to be a lot of teams defensively. They're going to have a real problem handling him as the fourth best player on a team. Boston has, to me, the best wing combo in the NBA, the best two wing scores. Um, I think you've got to pick your poison there defensively. And they've got a point guard that can go and get you 15 to 20 a night if he needs to. Um, he's obviously going to be brought in to be a defensive stopper, but he's a very serviceable, very capable scorer. And you've got Al Horford, who in his own right can also stretch the floor out to the three-point line. So they're a defensive nightmare to match up with. Um, so I've got the Celtics coming out of the East, and I've got the Nuggets repeating and coming out of the West going into the NBA Finals, and I think that's going to be our matchup. I have the exact same thing. Fantastic. Um, it's, it's exactly what I thought. I mean, I think even losing Bruce Brown, which – is a, that's a big piece for Denver it is it is you're right but I think their chemistry is on another level I think their Golden State had that for a minute where it was like man they look like the Spurs where the chemistry was another level and I think they have that Denver's got that I mean they just look like they are one single like mind out there yeah everything's connected Aaron Gordon flourishes Jamal Murray is healthy Jokic is watching horse races and then coming in and being the best player <laughs> in the league. Like, but it looks like he works on things. I mean, you know he's not a guy that, that doesn't work on stuff outside oh, of Oh, you know that there is some random gym in Serbia oh, in the middle of a village that has the arguably the best player in the world in it in the middle of, you know, August. Yeah. And no one no one knows about it. No, yeah, it's it is you know, planted uh, a goal planted there in the middle of like a goat farm. He is, <laughs> no, I mean, he treats it like his job, and that's what's awesome about it. Yeah, him. he doesn't. It is. Like it is a hundred percent. It's a job, and he treats it like one. That's a good point. Yeah, and he plays like it's his job. It is not something like, oh, I lost. It's oh, I failed at my job. Yeah. Um, and he he cares about it, and it's awesome. Yeah. Um, this team, I think, I don't know if they'll have the best record. I wouldn't be shocked. But no. They look like the chemistry in a playoff series. I think you just can't beat them. Um, Boston, I have for the same reason you did. Porzingis is now getting to be a 3 and D guy, which is what he wants to be. You can have him chasing down blocking shots. He can spot up. 
they're not going to post him up like other teams have tried. Let him be what he is. He just wants to be a shooter. And let him protect the paint without Horford. Yeah. And they've got some other guys that they can mix in as well. Um, they're going to be as tough defensively as anybody. Yeah. And I think that's what's going to help them in the playoffs is they are a team that they try to punch you in the mouth early with as many threes as they can get up. But they are also elite defensively, and they just got better. Yeah. They, they got better with Drew Holiday. They just did. Okay. Um, and they have a you know a reliable three point shooter now. Marcus Smart just wasn't that. Yeah. So I've got those two guys just like you do. Here's the. What do you got? Now. What do you got? This is really really hard because I love what Boston did, but I have to pick him because I just love him so much, and I'm I'm picking the Denver Nuggets. You've got the Nugget. Repeat. Okay, Nuggets to repeat. And I just talked about earlier how there's not going to be any repeats. <laughs> but I love Joker too much. I yeah, have to take him. 100%. He is your guy. He's my guy. I'm taking Joker. I'm going to hold this up because I've got my pick. All right. And see what you think. You can read that there at the bottom. I am going Wow. Celtics in six. Wow. And I think it's just simply from a standpoint of I think they're starting five is too deep to match up with defensively. And like you said, they they are going to be a stout defensive team in their own right. I know losing Marcus Smart hurts, but you also bring in one of the best defenders in the league to replace him in Drew Holiday. And you've probably got a guy that's a little bit more accountable that you can rely on a little bit more than what you could Marcus Smart. Uh, I think Porzingis changes their lineup around. I think having Tatum and Brown, who can both get you 40 if they need it, uh, I just I think you've got to pick your poison with them, and I'm not sure that for as good as, as as a defensive team as Denver is, I just feel like Boston's a little bit better offensively. And weighing them both defensively, I think Boston is a just a notch or two above Denver defensively also. And I think with both offense and defense swaying in their favor, I've got to take Boston. Yeah, I don't disagree with you. It was such a hard pick. I knew immediately that I was going to pick Boston, and then I thought, well, I don't have anybody I think is better than Denver. But um, I like that one. Um, I feel like at some point, and we can think on it here, we're going to have to, when the season starts, we're going to have to come up with some sort of wager here. Yeah. Maybe this doesn't end up being the uh, the finals matchup, but if it's close, whoever's closest, I feel like we have to have some sort of wager we can uh, we can think on here. But Yeah, 100%. Um, uh, I want that to be the matchup because I think it'll be the most fun basketball matchup we could have if it's yeah. those two guys. And who knows? Maybe we'll we'll get surprised. Uh, maybe Victor Wembanyama leads his San Antonio Spurs to a to a championship. Maybe Ben Simmons <laughs> leads the Brooklyn Nets. We'll see. Um, but anyway, we're super glad you guys joined us on here. Uh, please let us know what you think. Tell us, you know, who you think. Um, will win the MVP, Defensive Player of the Year, championships, who we didn't mention as a sleeper team. Let us know on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. We'll get a list out there, too, and you guys can comment and tell us what you what you think about that. Um, thanks again for, for joining us on here. I hope you enjoyed it. We're excited for an upcoming NBA preseason uh, and excited for the season to get started. And as always here on the Pick and Fence podcast, don't, don't get, get caught, caught watching, watching the paint, paint dry. dry.